church where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Amen. Our vision is broken people coming together to extend and embrace Jesus' love, Christ's love. At the Village Church, we believe that the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. You may give through the vision and the mission of the church online. Or you, we have a box in the back where you can put your gifts in there. Or you may mail a check to us at 2103 Virginia Boulevard. After, or after the service, you may drop off your offering in the designated area that I just spoke of. Okay, we'd also like to just thank you for coming to the guests. This is not on here, but I want to welcome our guests. Thank you for Antonio and his lovely wife. All right, we're going to do 25 days of prayer and fasting next month. It'll, it, will, it, will be, it will begin on January the 7th and end on January 31st. Our purpose is to set, set aside these 25 days to intentionally seek our Trinitarian God in prayer and believe for him to move in powerful ways. More details will be set out next week through Flocknote. So please check your emails. These are your announcements. Please govern yourselves accordingly. Good morning. We're going to sing before the throne of God above. It's a song of preparation. So we're just going to prepare our hearts for what God's going to do this morning. So you'll sing this with me. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me this depart. No tongue can bid me this depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, of the word I look and see him there who made an end of
to worship is based on Psalm 91 verses 2 and Romans 10 uh, verses 9 and 13. I'll read the part that says leader and you all respond with the part that says people and then we'll all see the part that says leader. Please stand to your feet. Here we go. Let us worship God. Let us confess with our mouths Jesus is Lord. And believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let us all consult the true God, believing him in our hearts, confessing him with our mouths, worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Amen. Keep standing. Let's let's praise him together. If you're able.
We praise you in the sickness that we've experienced this, this holiday season. We praise you that we're here. We praise you that you've gotten us through. We praise you for the family that we have experienced, or maybe that, you know, the difficult family that we experienced, but you got us through, Lord, and you deserve the praise. All of the praise is due to you. And we're not going to just sit here and sit by and let the rocks cry out. We're going we're gonna to cry out to you this morning. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. to repentance comes from Joel 2, verse 12 through 13. It says, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your garments and not rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Join me in a moment of silent confession to our Lord. assures us of his forgiveness in Psalm 85 verses 1 through 3. The Lord, er, Lord, you are favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath and you turned from your hot anger. Amen. If you're able, stay standing. We're going to sing together worthy of you.
Truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow. 
but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and they know me, just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. We'll come now to our prayer of supplication. So if you would, uh, bow with me, and we'll uh, come to the Lord for our supplication for our our community, uh, for our nation, and uh, for our world. Lord Jesus, we come before you today as a body of believers. Uh, Lord, we thank you that we are here, that you are able, that we are um, uh, joining together uh, our voices in praise and prayer, uh, and Lord, also in supplication. And Lord, uh, we know that you listen to us. We know that you are our uh, Savior. You're our healer. You're our deliverer, as we just sang. Uh, And Lord, we trust in that, and that is why we come to you uh, humbly and and, and, uh, in supplication, Lord. Uh, Lord, we do lift up uh, our, our members, our families, our, our community, our church. Lord, I pray that, uh, that you would be with each, each one of these families uh, and each member of this, uh, of this church. Uh, we especially ask for those that may be struggling with uh, issues, whether it be with uh, relationships, with families, with uh, job or work, um, or with illness. And Lord, we do know that, uh, that uh, evil is all around us, uh, but Lord, that you are a hedge against those. Uh, we pray for those that are ill, uh, especially uh, for our dear uh, Miss Cynthia. Lord, we pray that you would uh, be with her in a time of, of recovery and of illness and of, of some sickness. But, Lord, that you would strengthen her and bring her back uh, strong and, and healthy um, and uh, ready to be uh, do your work, Lord. Um, we pray for all those that have had sickness this, uh, this uh, Christmas season or New Year's season, Lord, uh, whether it be flu or other illness, uh, that you would uh, restore everyone to good health. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for uh, the nation that we live in, and we do pray for those that, uh, that uh, lead and, and uh, guide our nation. We pray for our Congress and our presidency and, uh, and all those in, in, in power and in command, Lord, that you would be with them. Lord, please uh, let us, as, as your people, know how to respond and how to participate uh, with our nation and uh, the difficulties that they face. Uh, Lord, as we look abroad, I do pray for uh, especially the two um, zones of war that are, are going on. And Lord, we just pray for, for those countries and, uh, and especially for the people, for those families and people that are, that are under duress, um, sometimes horrific uh, things, Lord, that we hear or read, uh, but that you would somehow be glorified through that. Uh, we know that you are not, uh, you're not surprised, that you are not uh, caught off guard by these things. 
uh, but we also know that you despise evil, that you despise uh, hatred and war, uh, and we pray that you would uh, just bring your own, uh, your own end, your own glory, and your own uh, peace to those situations. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for the morning that we have, and I just pray that you would uh, bless us with your presence um, through Marcus as he comes to bring the word, um, that you would uh, just be here with us um, in this time of, of worship and of study and of prayer. In your name.
Good morning. I am Marcus Nobles. Um, I am the campus minister for RUF, the Reformed University Fellowship at Albany and M. I'm also the pastoral assistant here, uh, or the pastoral intern, which kind of makes me the assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> so, uh, you guys saw me last month, and guess what? You're stuck with me again. Here I am. Um, so, as I was saying, usually I'm preaching to college students, so um, this pulpit always feels really big. And this crowd always feels really weird to me. Usually I have a bunch of 18 to 20-year-olds, so um, the attention span is a little bit different, and therefore my sermons always wind up being short and sweet. I don't think anybody ever complains when I preach that I'm here for too long. Um, so I try to stretch it out as much as I can, but I'm going to give you what God gave me, and I'm sure that will be good enough. Amen? So... Today we're looking at John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. Um, Pastor Alex um, preached the first chunk of that uh, chunk of uh, scripture that, that, that we read through this morning last week. And I have the privilege of, again, he has lobbed up a home run for me. So he has already started off and I'm going to try to bring it home uh, with verses 11 through 18. And in this chunk, Jesus makes his fourth I am statement and he says that I am the good shepherd. Amen? This book of John is an eyewitness testimony. It's an eyewitness testimony of the life of Jesus written by one of Jesus' closest followers. Um, the Bible calls him the disciple that Jesus loved. And at, the end of the book, and, at, and at the end of this book, it tells us that it was written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. And this book of John has some of my favorite Bible stories um, that help do just this, that help us believe. Like the wedding at Cana, where Jesus turns water into wine. The story of Nicodemus. Um, the story of the woman at the well. 
Um, the story where Jesus feeds 5,000, uh, the story where he walks on water. Um, just before this chapter uh, uh, 10, there's a story of him healing the blind man. And then here in chapter 10, his response to the Pharisees after healing the blind man, where he uh, calls himself the good shepherd. So Jesus begins by using this metaphor of a shepherd and of sheep to illustrate the relationship between himself and his followers. And he describes uh, the shepherd entering uh, through the gate and the sheep recognizing the shepherd's voice and those who enter by other means are considered thieves and robbers. And Jesus declares himself the door or the gate by which with the sh- uh, sheep would come in. And he asserts that whoever enters through him will be saved and will find good pasture. And he contrasts himself with thieves who come to steal and destroy, emphasizing his role as this source of abundant life. Here in John chapter 10, Jesus is continuing his response to these Pharisees after healing the blind man in chapter 9. And again, Jesus is doing things that upset the status quo of the day and draws people into closer relationship with him. And these Pharisees take some real offense to that, right? They take some real offense to what Jesus is doing here. These Pharisees were a movement of several thousand people, um, pious Jewish men who sought to interpret the law carefully and according to the traditions of previous generations of the pious. They had a set amount um, of power, not really political power, but were highly respected and very influential in this day and time. So they were the major group of religious people. And they emphasized their own version of purity rules, and they looked forward to the resurrection of the dead. So everything that Jesus was doing here was going directly against this group of ultra-pious Pharisees. And actually, as we read through this book of John, after almost each and every one of these I am statements that Jesus makes, they get ready to stone him. And they call him a demon, and they say that he must not be of God, and they Uh, everything that he does really, really upsets them, right? So here at this chunk of John chapter 10, we encounter Jesus' response to this group of people who actually are getting very angry with him and are ready to stone him. We come to John chapter 10, verse 11 through 18, and it says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, see the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. 
This is the word of the Lord. I do believe it's true. The grass may wither, the flowers may fade away, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you humbly once again to say thank you for being our God. And thank you for choosing us to be your people. Father, help us as we dig deeply into your word. Let it be written on the tablets of our hearts. And let us find you and you alone. Father, speak to your people. Pour Marcus out and fill me back up with you that you would need. And let this preparation and meditation be holy and acceptable in your sight. This and all things we pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So again, here we're looking at Jesus' words of response to this group of Pharisees after he had performed a miracle on the Sabbath and deeply upset them, right? And as Alex preached last week, he starts his response by um, building this analogy of a sheep and shepherd, and he finishes it here in verses 11 through 18. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is the fourth I am statement of seven that Jesus makes in this book of John. He says, I am the bread of life earlier in John 6. Then he says, I am the light of the world. And then just before this, in in, in John 10, chapter 9, he says, I am the door. And then he says, I am the good shepherd. And later on in this book, he'll go on to say, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And lastly, in John 15, he says, I am the vine. Jesus is using this language that was absolutely intentional in his response to this group of scribes and Pharisees. By proclaiming, I am the good shepherd, this group of Bible scholars would have known exactly what Jesus meant. To this group of Pharisees and scribes, this wasn't empty language, right? This was very pointed. They knew exactly what he meant. When he said, I am the good shepherd. Like in Psalm 23, which these scribes and Pharisees would have known very well. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Or in Isaiah 40, which they also would have known. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Here Jesus is clearly and plainly stating in a very bold and direct fashion to these Pharisees, exactly who he is. This is a positive affirmation of his connection with the absolute deity of God. This language would have been directly understood by all of the Israelites as Jesus referring to himself as the Jehovah of the Old Testament. They would have known exactly what he meant when he said, I am the good shepherd. So imagine their response after watching this man heal a blind man on the Sabbath and then they confront him and his response is, I am the good shepherd. Here Jesus is saying, um, I am the good shepherd is him stating this direct relationship with God. Jesus is the shepherd that God has called and appointed and sent to care for his sheep. And it's interesting the way that this is written in the text. The Greek word here uses kalos. And um, if 
for for those of you who, who don't know, I'm currently studying Greek, so it's like all of this is like pouring out as I'm studying this uh, um, uh, chunk of scripture. This Greek word kalos, which John used before in chapter two at the wedding of, of Cana, in the wedding Jesus turns water into wine, and the master of the feast calls it the best wine. He uses the same word kalos. It means choice, excellent, prime. The very best of the very best. When it was used in that type of emphatic way, that's what it meant. So when Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd, he's really saying, I'm the best shepherd. Not just I'm a shepherd, but I'm the choice shepherd. I'm the prime shepherd. I'm the excellent shepherd. This word here means preeminently excellent. The absolute best of the best. Something that is absolutely set apart from the ordinary. Jesus here is making a very bold claim. I am the preeminently excellent shepherd. The best of the best. The one whom God appointed and sent for his sheep. Think about it that way. These aren't just empty words, I am the good shepherd. It's very intentional. And these Pharisees and scribes who called themselves holier than everyone else would have known exactly what Jesus meant when he said those words. That's how they would have took it. They didn't just hear, I am the good shepherd. They heard, I am the preeminently best shepherd, the one whom God sent, who, who, the one whom God appointed and called for this time for his sheep. Jesus is the preeminently excellent shepherd. The Greek here sets this sentence in the most emphatic way possible. When you literally translate it, it says, I am the shepherd, the good one. Not I am just the good shepherd. I am the shepherd, the preeminently best one, the choice, prime, excellent one. I am the shepherd, the best shepherd. This verse continues with some foreshadowing when Jesus says that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Let's look at verse 12. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as, a, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. Let's really dig into this chunk of text here. Jesus is making another direct comment directly to these Pharisees. And we can hear it in the same way that they would have heard it. You can understand why they would have wanted to stone Jesus for condemning them like this, right? Let's look at some more scripture. Uh, old um, uh, mentor of mine used to tell me, Marcus, when you preach, just read a lot of scripture. You can't get in trouble, right? So let's look at Ezekiel 34, verses 2 through uh, 5. It says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, 
Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. The Pharisees would have known that text. The Pharisees would have known this Old Testament scripture. And listen to how Jesus is rebuking them, saying that back in verse 12, that he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd does not own the sheep and sees the wolf coming and flees and leaves the sheep. When Jesus said those words to those Pharisees, they would have known exactly what he meant. Right? Let's look at some more Old Testament in Zechariah eleven seventeen. Woe to my worthless shepherd who deserts the flock. May the sword strike his arm and his right eye. Let his arm be wholly withered and his right eye be utterly blinded. Jesus here is telling these Pharisees in John that they are the worthless shepherd. Jesus is telling these Pharisees and these scribes that they are like a hired hand who doesn't care for the sheep, who flees when the wolf comes. Jesus is telling them directly by referencing this Old Testament prophecy that they are the worthless shepherds. Something struck me as I was writing this. Church, how often have we been like the hired hand? How often have we fleed when the wolf comes? Church, how often have we been like the hired hand? How often have the flaws in our character been exposed by our conduct during crisis? How often have life's circumstances and situations caused us to act not like the sheep, but like the hired hand? That's another sermon. I'll preach that one next time. How often have life circumstances caused us to be scattered all over just like the sheep? Like sheep without a shepherd. Think for a moment about your lowest when you felt like this. Like a sheep that was scattered without a shepherd. Like a sheep that was lost to the beast. That was wandering all over the mountains. But thank God for Jesus. Amen? Thank God for Jesus who says in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Listen to what Jesus is saying here. He is the best shepherd. He knows his sheep. 
and they know him. Imagine what the Pharisees must have felt to see Jesus fulfilling all of these Old Testament prophecies, doing the same thing that he still does for us right now, strengthening the weak, healing the sick, bounding up the injured, bringing back the stray, seeking out the lost, not with force or with rules, but with love and with kindness. That sounds like the Jesus that I know. Amen? Feeding the sheep. Seeking out us. The ones who are lost and scattered to the world. The ones who are defenseless to the beasts and the wild. Jesus seeks us out and lays down his life for us. Amen? Jesus being the preeminently excellent shepherd to not only know the sheep, but to be known by his sheep. Verse 15, just like the Father knows him, he knows the Father. Jesus again states that he would lay down his own life for the sheep. Just like David did back in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 17, 34. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose yet again against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. David, the one who would become king, was first a literal shepherd and was willing to fight lions and bears to save the sheep. Likewise, Jesus, the preeminently excellent shepherd, will fight anything to lay down his life for you, the sheep. How great is that? How great of a God is that who loves us so that he would be willing to lay down his life to be the door for his sheep to come through, to be the preeminently excellent shepherd that would seek out the lost sheep and save them from the wild. Amen? That's who Jesus is claiming to be. So imagine what it felt like for those Pharisees to hear this, that Jesus is claiming to be not just some shepherd, but the shepherd, the preeminently excellent shepherd who would lay down his life for the sheep. I think that's why Jesus says it four times here in just these few verses. Because he's really trying to get this point across of exactly who he is. And not just that, but exactly whose you are. You are the sheep who belong to the preeminently excellent shepherd. Amen? This is why later in this book of John, Jesus himself says exactly this. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life. This is what real love looks like. Look at the foreshadowing that Jesus is giving long before his prosecution and and execution, long before he actually lays down his life. Clearly, he knows exactly what his uh, command is. Clearly, he knows exactly what God has sent him to do. Clearly, he knows exactly what his task is to lay down his life like the preeminently excellent shepherd would do. He says it over and over again. 
that he would lay down his life for the sheep. Feel the intentionality and the foreshadowing that Jesus is using here. The Greek word here, huper, um, for, that he would lay down his life for the sheep, is a marker indicating an activity or event that is in some entity's interest for, in behalf of, or for the sake of someone else. What a small word with such a big meaning. When Jesus says this phrase, that I, that I would lay down my life for the sheep, he's saying that he would do it for the sake of someone else. Jesus is proclaiming that he's doing this not for his own interests, but for the interests of you, his sheep. Right here we see on full display our hope in salvation. Amen? Jesus is saying that he will act on our behalf. For the sake of his sheep, he's willing to lay down his life. And he doesn't just say it once. He says it over and over and over and over again. Clearly, he means it. Amen? And Jesus then doubles down on this and reaffirms why he's doing it. Look at verse 16. This is the verse that makes me feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. Jesus says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Amen. Let me read it again because I don't think you caught it. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. Folks, that's you. Folks, you are the other sheep that are not of this fold. Look, Jesus was thinking about you all the way back then. That he has sheep of another fold that he wants to bring in. They will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Church, here is our hope. Here is our hope in salvation. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. Church, whose flock do you belong to? Whose flock do you belong to? Whose voice do you listen to? Hebrews 3 puts it this way, but Christ is a faithful over, but, sorry, but Christ was faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house. One flock with one shepherd. Whose flock do you belong to, church? Second Timothy puts it this way, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows who are his. Whose voice do you listen to, church? Jesus claimed you long before you even knew you needed to be claimed. 
Jesus spoke out lovingly to you long before you even knew you needed it. Jesus wants you. Jesus was bold enough to stand up for you long before you even existed to lay down his life for you, one flock, so that he could be the one shepherd. Amen? Jesus is clear in his words, speaking to the salvation that he alone could bring. Our hope is in this, a Savior who will know us and love us like his own sheep that will speak and we will hear his voice. He has us and will bring us in also. Amen? Our hope is in one flock and in one shepherd, Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone. Amen? That he would lay down his own life for ours on his own accord, out of his own authority, and lay it down and pick it back up again. Jesus is acting on the charge that his father has given him to be the good shepherd, to be the prime shepherd, to be the best shepherd, to be the preeminently excellent shepherd, to gather the ones who are lost, to bring them back into the flock, to love them like shepherds love their sheep, to go even as far as to give his own life willingly for the sheep. Jesus came to strengthen the weak. Amen? Jesus came to heal the sick. Amen? Jesus came to bound, to bind up the injured, to bring back the stray, to seek out the lost, not with force, not by rules, but with love. The greatest love, love that would lay down its own life. Jesus came to feed the sheep, to be the preeminently excellent shepherd. Amen? That is our hope and salvation. That's what it means when he says, I am the good shepherd. Father God, we thank you for being the preeminently excellent shepherd. Father, we're grateful that all the way back then, you knew that you had sheep that were not of this fold and that you had to bring us in. Father, we are humble and grateful for you, the God who loves us so, that you would send your son to give his life willingly us the sheep. Father, help us to put our hope and our faith and everything that we have fully into this, the preeminent shepherd, the one who loves us in the most genuine way possible. We thank you and we love you. This is our prayer. In your son Jesus' name, amen. If you're able to stand, you stand and sing with us. We are the sheep, and he is the greatest shepherd. This song has some really deep words, so don't let it just fly by you because you're missing a second sermon in it. <laughs> so stick in with it. 
and um, let's relate as sheep and let him call us in and let's follow this good shepherd of ours. Come you sinners poor and
benediction, which comes from Hebrews uh, chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. It says, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace.